Welcome, listeners, to another episode of the Film to Canada podcast. Uh, I'm Alexander Cairns, and I'm on my own in terms of hosting duties today, but I'm here with a local filmmaker by the name of... Paige Smith. Hello, Paige. Hello. <laughs> um, so we met through Will, who uh, Will Ross, who we've had on the podcast in the past, talking about his work with Devin Scott and... Um, a few Alan King documentaries. I don't know. Have you seen those? The films? Um, or yeah, the um, listen- I have not seen the films, but I yeah, yeah, listened yeah. to the podcast. War- Warrendale and um, uh, A Married Couple. No, I haven't seen yeah, them. Yeah, they're really good. Okay. Um, but, um, yeah, that was probably almost two years ago now that we did yeah, that. Yeah, I think so. Um, but um, you, you reached out recently saying that you had some of your own... Mm-hmm work that you wanted to talk about, and then uh, we're also going to be talking about manufactured landscapes from uh, 2006. Mm-hmm. So um, maybe if you can just give us a little background on kind of where you come from in terms of filmmaking and creative things. Sure. Um, so yeah, I'm Paige Smith, and I'm just finishing my degree from SFU in film. I'm in my last semester right now. It's very exciting. Nice. <laughs> it's always a good feeling. Yes, it's a very, a really specific and weird feeling. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so I came to film um, from a young age. I've liked film since I was quite young. I made films as a child with my friends. Um, and I really... I went into film always knowing I wanted to experiment, I guess, or try something new. Even when I was young, I was always trying to figure out a different way to do something. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny watching those films now because <laughs> they're so. Like from when you were quite a bit younger. Because mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, yeah. they're so. You can see the little, like. Um, clicking of the mind in certain things yeah. where I'm like, oh, I remember like why I did that or like just little things where you're trying to solve the solution in a different sort of way. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so I've always kind of been like um, someone that likes to try new things and specifically like kind of push boundaries into like how you can do something. So mm-hmm. um, were there any creative influences that sparked um, your interest early on or? I um, am a huge fan of Hayao Miyazaki. Okay. So that was something that always, like from a really young age, like I remember being like a toddler and going to the video store and the famous video man who was this lovely Chinese man who would play hide and seek with me in the video store and he would fix the VHSs of Totoro for me. (laughs) Um, But... but, um, yeah, so I, I think that I, I really liked that as a kid because it was nothing like anything else I was seeing mm. from like a child's point of view. Like his work was so uh, different, I guess, mm-hmm. from like a six-year-old's perspective who grew up in Canada. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, whoa, you could like, whoa. Like, <laughs> not that you can do that, I guess, at that age, but like, that's magical. You know what yeah. I mean? Um so I, I, I always really liked his work and then as I got, and I still love his work, um, and as I got older, when I was like a teenager, I think I had like a pretty quintessential um, repertoire of films. It's actually funny, me and Will have been going on um, a kick of kind of watching a lot of his favorite teenage movies. Mm. Um, 
and they're very like quintessential boy yeah. favorite movies like Robocop all these films I never saw yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or just all these very like movies that when I talked to my friends as a teenager like my male filmmaker friends would be like you haven't seen this well, how can you call yourself a filmmaker if you haven't yeah, seen yeah. this? Um, but Which yeah, is such a yeah, it's really weird. Yeah, uh, I, yeah, but um, but yeah, like as a teenager, I don't know. Like I liked like angsty, silly things. Like I like I think Donnie Darko is a fine film now, mm -hmm. but I like really liked it as a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, just that feeling of not knowing what's going on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm, exactly. Or I really liked um, Lost in Translation. That was mm -hmm. a big one when I was a teenager. I feel like it's still. It's yeah, it's still. Though, yeah, I yeah. still like that film. Yeah. I think that um, I particularly really liked that film. I feel like a lot of girls that like movies um, connect to that film, or at least the girls I know, because it's like maybe one of the first ones you watch where you're like, I know that was made by a woman. Right. You know what I mean? And it's this feeling of like, yes, girl power, kind of like. And also, it's an amazing film. So it's just one of those things where it, it's like uh, it's like one of those ones that kind of. Broke, it, broke out a little bit, so it yeah. was one of those ones that was somewhat accessible when I was younger. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I don't know, I could go on and on about influences. <laughs> sure. Um, so you sent me over one of your more recent works, is it, would, it, would it be your most recent? Or? Yeah, it's yeah. my grad film, so I made it oh, okay. within a year of now. It's like the one that I'm breathing after. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and when was that? completed then? Was that like a whole year ago or? Uh, it would have been completed uh, in April 2017. So this uh, April will be a year. Yeah. Um, so I guess generally it's a, it's an experimental short. Yeah, that's what I call it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, sorry, I'm, I'm blanking on the name. Oh, it's called Watching Us. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but then the, the password that you gave me was was oh. a different phrase. It oh, it was uh, <laughs> it was my uh, working title for a while. Oh, okay. It's called the art of being watched. Okay, yeah, yeah. that was what uh, the the password I provided was. <laughs> cool. um, yeah, so I guess it's it's just kind of it's just kind of a moving camera that that glides across a few different rooms, and in some of them you see um, uh, two women engaging in. Um, Kind of lingus, I guess you would say. Um, <laughs> One's going down on the other. <laughs> yeah. um, and then in other in other frames, it's just an empty room or it's someone watching a television. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess, how did you? What were you wanting to explore or express? Or? Totally, yeah. So the film is um, kind of the third film I made in film school where I felt like I was. Uh, truly treating the works as experimental works and in, when I when I use the word experimental for my own work I'm kind of basing it off the concept of like um and I mean this term gets thrown around a lot too but like research-based um, works so like I, I am literally treating it as an experiment so I'm going in being like okay here's my question and now let's literally like put some random drops in some water and see if stuff explodes like mm -hmm. I'm, I'm trying to treat it as like a proper uh when we think of scientific experiment experiment sure so um for this film i was exploring or t attempting to explore the um the impact that a filmmaking audience has on 
the subjects of a film and like the act of watching how that impacts what is being watched in a filmmaking language. With watching us, I was exploring, um, so I, I don't know if this comes across, but it's supposed to be that it's the same apartment over and over again. Mm -hmm. So then it's, um, and it's the idea of the same moment happening over and over again, or this, the maybe time is passing and we keep coming back to the same apartment. It's kind of a, um, open in that way, but the idea is like, seeing the visual and audio impacts of us watching them the first time and then knowing they're being watched because the one of the women is looking at the camera right yeah so, so that so that becomes kind of a turning point mm -hmm. for the, the i guess the narrative or the or the experiment changing. yeah exactly yeah okay that that gives me a better okay framework cool. for trying to, to for trying to think about it for sure yeah yeah great I wanted to talk about something specifically. Mm -hmm. um, so you were talking about how it's like um, the context that she's looking back in mm -hmm. and also mm -hmm. the um, how in a lot of other films it will kind of be maybe like a, a turn to camera moment like to talk to the audience or something. So mm -hmm. the I was just thinking about the um, the where that idea came from and I was just for me, a big part of it is because in, in that moment, so she's she's um, laying down in a bed and another woman is going down on her. And she is in the moment doing her thing. And then, uh, and then she notices the camera and she stares back at the camera. And I really wanted that moment to be kind of like a like a powerful moment like she she knew you were watching and she was watching back that was the notion there so i really wanted the the character or actress to very much not be scared in that moment but, sure but then you see later that it is scary <laughs> yeah or 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 that it changes the, mm -hmm. the dynamic going it, forward yeah. exactly yeah yeah so one thing that I that I noticed and that I guess you kind of made me notice mm -hmm. by suggesting that I watch it while with uh, with headphones mm -hmm. on is the the sound is very um, very striking I guess and specifically the the music throughout so maybe mm -hmm. if you could talk about kind of how that came about yeah totally so it's funny because I always um, when I think of myself I think of myself as very like visual filmmaker. Mm -hmm. um, so I really wanted to push myself with the audio and really put the time in um, to just like to, because uh, I feel like the sound can define the world so much. And mm -hmm. I really felt like this was a film where that really needed to be done like mm -hmm. um, and explored. So even just for me as a filmmaker. So I really thought about that from the beginning, like, okay, like asking myself, like, what do I want this to sound like? What, I don't want to just, like slap something on top of it like let's dig into this and I did a lot of that with um, my sound designer who is Will Ross um, so we really came from it um, really wanting to dig into it and yeah. he did a great job of that and then also we uh, collaborated with um, Eric Seely who made two of the songs in the film okay um, but I always I always directed so that the music was never the soundscape. I never wanted right. it to be like, and now this song is playing. And uh, like, I always wanted it to be mixed 
where it was just part of the soundscape, if that makes sense. Right. And I always, and Will had a hell of a time doing this because <laughs> I am not a very, um, I'm not very good at explaining what I want with okay. audio. Like, <laughs> I'll be like, I want it to sound like this. Yeah. But I don't know the words to describe it properly. Right. But I knew I always, like what we were going for, and I don't know if we achieved this exactly, but it worked in this way or in a different way, I think, that we wanted to sound like the music was coming from within the apartment. Right. So we, we wanted it to be like, this was the music that they were listening to. Mm -hmm. And then as the film becomes more surreal, it's like, this is the music that they are listening to in this kind of sphere. Or that they're being haunted by. Or exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly, yeah. So, and also with uh, Eric, with the songs he made, uh, it was amazing working with him because I kind of gave him like, um, I, I forget exactly what direction I gave him, but I gave him so little direction and yeah, he's yeah. not lived, he doesn't live where I was. So I was just communicating to him being like, hey, like this is the vibe I'm going for. Like I, yeah. I don't remember what that vibe was, but this is the vibe I'm going for, go. And then he gave it back and I was like, great. One little tweak and then we're perfect. Like it was amazing. Nice. And um, cause I really wanted the music they were listening to at the beginning to be kind of like, not be like, ooh, we're having sex kind of music. Right, and I didn't right. want it to be like, we're in love kind of music. Right, like right, I right. wanted it to just be like, this was on, you know yeah. what I mean? Um, and then the second song, which is um, a recording from like the 1920s and it's in Spanish. Um, I, I really liked that song because of the kind of, um, like uh, the, the way the singer, I forget the singer's name and the name of the song too, I feel bad, but, but the way she sings it is very like, um, like it is this, I don't know when I hear it it's a bit like creepy mm -hmm. but I think maybe it's just the context like I feel like if you were to put that over a different image it could be really happy music yeah and I liked that because I wanted it to feel like this was almost what the the person watching wanted it to be in my mind it was always like this was now the person watching taking the remote and being right. like this is the song I want to listen to like, yeah this is how I want this moment to be you know what I mean yeah yeah, yeah. makes me think of how um how David Lynch uses like old, mm. old uh, soul music or or like the Blue Velvet music in in that movie. Yeah, or like it has, it, it, like it's it's situated in a very specific point in time, and that time point in time can feel nostalgic. But for him, it kind of represents these manifestations of evil, and so it takes <laughs> on a whole different form because of how he puts it in a different context. Yeah, totally. Like I think he does that in some of the earlier. Uh, episodes of um, Twin Peaks too, like the band. Do you yeah, remember yeah. that? Because I, I haven't seen all of Blue Velvet. It scared mm. me. Yeah, <laughs> it's horrifying. Yeah, um, but uh, but yeah, like it's it. Yeah, that that is like a good good um, comparison. I think it's yeah. similar. In and the way. he's very specific about the sound in his movies too. Mm -hmm. like he, he works as the sound sound designer in all of cases. Oh, yeah. does he? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Even like when you watch um, Eraserhead. Mm. Like from the beginning, you can see he was so into sound. Yeah, and he did everything start to finish. In That's that awesome. I, do you know if did he make a lot of the sounds too? Because mm. I wouldn't be surprised. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. Anything else you wanted to to touch on with the with the short? Uh, I could talk about so many things. I, I my film. Um, so I was in a conference the other day, and it was like the first time I'd seen. I, I played my film at the conference. Okay. Um, it was an undergrad conference at my school yeah. and it was about sustainability. I have no idea how I pitched it to fit <laughs> under that, but I did. Um, but yeah, and it was the first time I was watching my film 
in like six months or something. Hmm. Um, and it was really weird to rewatch it and not have like this disdain for it because it's like I'm far enough away from it to be like oh that's that yeah but um no I I talked a lot about because the film is two women yeah. um and actually the the character who we don't see as much of um was originally supposed to be non-binary and originally there was a whole another scene that happens at the end where we mm. see the two of them kind of uh, comforting each other at the end mm -hmm. and it was filmed within the apartment oh. not from through the window okay um i just i thought it didn't work it didn't make sense once i came to the editing room right but the point is that those two characters um are queer and i just uh i talked about at the conference the um how that impacted the film and what that meant in the concept of like the framework I was talking about before with how watching affects the watched. Right. Because it is something where it, the film was exploring how watching affects specifically queer femmes. That was maybe, maybe if you could elaborate on that. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause I, that's basically what I talked about at the conference was basically how unsustainable that is. So when I was making the film, I was really thinking about how, uh, mainstream viewership of like queerness and uh, specifically like femme queerness and I don't know if femme when I say femme I mean like feminine um, presenting people so that would include like non-binary folks if they mm -hmm. wanted to be mm -hmm. um, but yeah I was specifically exploring like like trying to explore the implications of that sort of viewership because the film is it, to me it, it's like really it, it shows like, uh, I don't know, maybe this is like reading too much in my own film, but it shows a level of violence, I feel like, or mm. it's implying violence or something, or mm -hmm. implying hardship or implying pain mm -hmm. um, near the end. Like the act of the, the, the watching kind of kind of destroys mm. their femininity in a way? Or, or maybe not destroys their femininity, but like it takes something away. It damages it, their sexual expression. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think, and I think at the end of the film, there's one character is now in one room in the living room and one character is now alone in the bedroom and i think it's kind of shows how it can really put this kind of what's the word kind of like this this knife in the middle of the relationship and separate them mm -hmm. but but i wasn't trying to get at anything really specific because the film doesn't necessarily like it doesn't have dialogue it's not like a a character like you were saying it's not a character-based story yeah so it's it was more just trying, again, it's like that experimentation. Like I was just, cause I identify as queer myself. So I was just trying to explore what it feels like when you feel like your own personal, like such a vulnerable state is being consumed by someone that it's not for. Right. And I was particularly thinking about, like I have a, a, a real big fascination in sexuality like a lot of my films deal with it because mm -hmm. I feel like it gets at some of the most inherent aspects of being human mm -hmm. in this very like visceral in the body way mm -hmm. um, and I think that film and sex are like such an interesting combination for mm -hmm. a lot of reasons but so for me it was um, something oh where was it going it's like um, oh, I had a point now I've lost it <laughs> I'm just like rambling, the, that's why. On the second round of the 
when you're going through the apartment for the second time, I noticed on the on the coffee table there was a book. Oh yeah, that was my art designer's idea. Yeah. <laughs> it's a book I own. It's like yeah. a big red book. It's like sex in films. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you noticed this too, but when you're going through that time too, you can also see the camera battery chargers. Oh really? <laughs> like very prominently. <laughs> and like all my cohort, like all my peers were like, Paige, that's the camera batteries. And I was like, Oh, I didn't notice when we were filming. It's fine. Like, it's like my, uh, oh, I forget what my teacher said, but it's like my, you're watching a film moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, no, I, I think that it's something where the, uh, the, I think that what I was really interested in exploring was, cause I, w I was thinking about um, porn a lot actually, and mm. how like mainstream porn depicts, um, often described as like lesbian sex. Mm -hmm. And how, I mean, that this is like talked a lot about how like it's not very accurate or how it's not for women or it's not for people um, who engage in like, like what they would describe as lesbian sex, right? It's, right. it's for like a male consumption, right? Mm. Um, and that's like really common knowledge and like, <laughs> I know too much about this. Pornhub.com slash statistics states that lesbian was like number two in 2017 for like most search terms. Okay. Um, and uh, so that's not to say that it's like lots of different types of people use Pornhub, I'm sure. But like, it is something where it's like, it, it's way more popular than two men having sex together, right? right. So it's, it's something that's like, it's a prominent thing, right? Like, and it's just something where I was just thinking like, okay, what are the implications of that? Like, how right. does that actually affect feminine people like how does that affect people that actually do engage in these acts you right. know what i mean so it's like not literally like um peeping tom watching you though that happens of yeah. course and that's creepy and it happens a lot mm -hmm. sadly for a lot of feminine presenting people but like how does like knowing that that when two women are holding hands in public maybe someone's thinking of it in this way where they're imagining what they saw last night or something, right. you know what I mean? Or like, not to say that what's depicted in porn is inherently like bad, like a lot of, I, I try and classify myself as sex positive. So it's something where like, I think it's, I think porn can be great, but it's more just like this idea of how, um, if you're in a queer relationship, how does it affect you when someone who's not in your relationship has nothing to do with your sexuality, has nothing to do with what you're doing is like trying to interject themselves and yeah. they're trying to form what that should look like. And they're trying to say, no, this is what your sexuality should look like. What is that mm. actually like? How does that affect you? Basically, maybe I'm overcomplicating it, but that's what I was trying to do from like a queer standpoint. Mm -hmm. And um, so when the, the second scene happens, when it repeats and the Spanish song plays and everything, some little subtle things we did were, um, so like, for example, in the first- That's, that's the one where-, where um, She's upset and everything. She's crying. Mm -hmm. a, yeah, so yeah. like, in the first scene, she's wearing like a t-shirt. And then in the second scene, she's wearing a more like lacy red bra. And mm -hmm. the coloring, the color is very different. It's all white and sterile. Mm -hmm. And there's certain things we did where we, uh, we, we had the sex and film red book. And right, like, right, we right. had like, we wrapped the couch in plastic and stuff like that so we we want uh, what I wanted and what me and the art director who is Abigail was her name we worked together to try and make the second scene seem more like like pornish like what yeah, yeah, yeah. what what if this person were to like if a porn director were come in and be like how am I going to make this more 
consumable right what they would do so except that the actors breaking are are not engaging in behaviors that exactly. would be titillating to a to a male audience yeah exactly yeah. so it's it's and i don't i don't know what that means like that's just that was just like an instinct where it was like she just that yeah and it's i think that that's one of the things I like about the motion of the film is it's like this slow reveal, especially once you've seen the first motion is, you mm -hmm. know, you're coming back, you know, you're going to mm -hmm. get to them. So it's like the second time you're watching, you're like, okay, it's repeating what's happening kind of thing. Well, it's, it's, it's an interesting, um, kind of framing device because at first I thought it was actually panning through yeah. multiple rooms. That's what it's supposed but, to be. Yeah. yeah. But then it gets, because, because the, the art design or is that is it art direction yeah yeah is different mm -hmm. in the um in the second one so it was, a, it was kind of like the same room but it, it, was, it was different mm -hmm. so um, i had this moment of of thinking okay now this is a new place where we're going to see new people but then you get back to the to the same same couple and and then um, you realize <laughs> that's awesome to hear wrong. yeah well that's that's what that's what i wanted so that's awesome because mm -hmm. <laughs> it's uh it's something where like I and I like the idea of it feeling like it's up to a certain point like it's all one big camera movement too because mm -hmm. I like the idea of that playing with time and space too mm -hmm. because it's like it's like you're saying you're like okay well this is a new space you know what yeah, I mean yeah, yeah. but really it's a completely different shot and yeah. also the idea of um time because then once you realize it's them it's like wait what <laughs> like, yeah <laughs> how did all this happen and it's it's playing with time in the sense of like you have no idea if this is in the past, the present, if it's real, if it's not. Yeah, or just you know a what I mean? nightmare or whatever. Yeah, yeah exactly. One, well, when you were talking about it feeling like, is this the same apartment? Or like that, like, you're like, oh, this is a new apartment and it's everything like that. It's like, I, I like that idea too because I wanted to play with the idea of it being kind of uncanny. Is that the right mm -hmm. word? Like this feeling of like, it's a little off or mm -hmm. something. I, I don't know. Yay. I'm glad <laughs> that, that happened because that was a late game decision too because it, um, I never figured out what the transitions were going to be until I was in the editing room. Okay, yeah. Um, and, uh, and were you editing yourself? Or? Me and Will edited okay, it together. Yeah. Or he was the editor, I was the director. So okay. Um, yeah, so Will edited and did the sound. And it's a funny film to edit because hypothetically it's only four shots. Right. But when you watch it, it either feels like one shot or it feels like like a lot of shots yeah the the third time when yeah all exactly the overlapping yeah. happens yeah yeah i was gonna say yeah so it was like when we were talking about the transitions between just kind of the regular scenes it was um it was something where basically like we kind of s s stitched them together in the blackness between the windows mm -hmm. the, uh, yeah so you're talking about in the third section mm -hmm. when um there's there's like the red and blue mm -hmm. overlapping. I, I I guess I'm curious about how how that oh. affected because you're saying because because you said it's it feels like it's supposed to be one shot. So was that was that um, just the same footage overlapping or was it two separate? So you mean right at the end where it's the one character's in the living room and the one character's in the well, just the way that the TV was like splitting and going mm -hmm. and recombining and yeah. So that was like a, again like an editing like that was not planned. It was okay. found in editing and um, it is just two um, or it is just uh, it, it's the same shot. Just uh, um, what's it called? It's just the same shot but shifted within the frame of the image. Right. So it kind of looks like 
weird. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, to me, it looks like it's kind of the colors of 3D. You know mm. what I mean? The yeah, bright yeah, blue yeah. and the red. So it yeah, kind of looks like almost like, oh, is this trying, not trying to be 3D, but it's that feeling of like doubleness sometimes right. that 3D has. Yeah. Um, and at certain points, it kind of like syncs up and it, it becomes one color again and then it goes back and. Um, because the I think it's double and then when you get to the girl that looks at the camera it becomes blue and then it's double and then when you get back to the the other character um, she's alone in the bed and uh, and it's red so yeah. yeah it's just two shots that are I think desynchronized mm -hmm. and shifted a little bit um, and yeah that was Will's idea cool. <laughs> yeah it was cool <laughs> and there's also the moment we didn't talk much about the what I would call the climax of the film, which is when there's all the red overlapping stuff. Mm. I don't I don't know what to say. Oh about yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Um, and all, but also, um, I guess at the end of the first segment, um, like those strings or whatever you want to call it, yeah, kind of appear on her face. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess we didn't talk about that either. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, I've never animated before. Um, right. This is, and I don't even know if. I'm sure the people I know who animate would be like, don't call this animation. Right. <laughs> but um, it was my attempt, like I said earlier, I'm a really big fan of Mayo, uh, Heo Miyazaki and I'm a really big fan of animation in general. I mm -hmm. almost sometimes wish I'd gone into animation instead right. of film because I feel like animation has so much potential and I don't yeah, think yeah, many yeah. animated films actually get at it. Right. But just the, uh, I, I think, Oh, what was his name? Sir Sergey Eisenstein, or however you say his last name. Yeah. What's his, Eisenstein? Yeah. Yeah. Is that yeah. how you say? It? I think he, so. He really liked animation too, and he would talk about. I think the term he used it was plasmaticness. Have mm. you heard that before? No. It's like this idea of, um, like you know, um, Steamboat Willie, and how Mickey will just kind of like stretch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He loved that. He right. loved how animation could just change forms, and not just literally like a character's arm just unrealistically stretching out, but like how you could have Mickey and then Mickey seamlessly turn into a ball. I love that. And I feel like I have not cracked the code on how to do that in film. Right. I've, I want to figure that out. That's like my next pickaxe thing. And this was me starting that because I, I just think that you could do so much with that. And mm. I feel like so much of animation still needs to do that. But, mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah, well, I guess, I guess, I mean, in, in like a traditional film context, mm -hmm. that would just be, you would more so be attempting at those types of things with visual effects. Yeah, and I mean, which is functionally animation. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I mean, there is like f special effects is also something where I'm like, maybe I should go into special effects because like it's fascinating to me what they can do. Yeah. And like that's some of the stuff I loved learning about too was experimental filmmakers who would do kind of special effects in camera and stuff like that. Mm. Like, um, but I I, f I feel like there's something different about special effects and animation because. Uh, it's like animation it's it's built into its well it's not it's just inherent in its form yeah and special effects is just a part of animation like you're saying so yeah, it's yeah, yeah. it's not really like like it can be used in live action but it's not like it's working with live action it's not working within the the wheels of live action i'm thinking like oh what uh the, the Travel to the Moon film. What's that one called? Like, uh, Trip to the Moon. Yeah, like that kind of stuff is a great example of like in-camera kind of trickery, right? Yeah. But I feel like there's there's so much, like I, I want to figure out 
a way for that plasmaticness to like translate into film. But I'm going on a tangent because basically the my film, I was just trying to do some animation because it was just the way that made the most sense to express like the feeling I was trying to get across mm -hmm. with some of the, the imagery. So it just came across like, um, so what happens is it's her face and she's really upset and she's kind of looking at the camera, looking away. And um, what happens is uh, these yarn, it's supposed to, I don't know if it comes across this way, but it's like red I, yarn. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't get that. I didn't make that connection in, in initially, but mm -hmm. then by the time you see the credits and that's kind mm -hmm. of the, the design in the credits, I mm -hmm. picked that up. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So it's like these, it's actual yarn and then I like um, made a composite of it and then put it into the program. So it's like images of yarn and then, mm -hmm. um, so it's like these kind of really quickly moving yarn that's supposed to be like tying down her face okay. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's not supposed to look like it's actually there. It's supposed to be on top of the image, right. if that makes sense. And I had a different image in mind originally. Originally, I kind of wanted it to be like her whole face was covered but her eyes. Right. So it was just this very like creepy looking kind of face that only could look. Yeah. Um, but I, uh, one, it was way too hard to animate. <laughs> yeah. And I was going to take way too long to figure out how to do it. And two, I was concerned about the implications of that looking like a headscarf or something like that. Mm. And I, I, I would have to do so much more research and figure out if I wanted to go down that path or not. Right. And I don't think I did from what I did briefly research. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, So it was something where it was, yeah, it was supposed to be like these these ropes kind of tying her down, but, but at the same time, they're just these flimsy little pieces of yarn. So that happens. And then there's some drawn animation that happens of, um, of like a man eating a woman <laughs> and then her eyes open and then we and then we go to the apartment and it's all red and it just keeps like moving much faster now the camera but we we keep kind of going through the living room and there's all these um super impositions of the yarn and the the room and the redness um and we keep almost getting to the bedroom but then we we can't it just kind of keeps repeating over and over again and mm -hmm. Um, and there's kind of this cacophony of sound and everything. And then um, we finally get to her and it's her alone in the bed. And then there's like actual yarn all over her, like kind of tying her to the room. Mm -hmm. Oh, and th the living room has yarn everywhere too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and like, I, I really liked the imagery of yarn because like I was saying, it's this flimsy kind of material, but mm -hmm. also it's um, yarn to me is associated with like craft. And yeah. like, um, um, like making crafts, like art crafts, right? Mm -hmm. And that's like very much a hobby that's like popular and imposed, or not imposed, but like uh, marketed towards women, right? Yeah. And it's kind of an art. And, and also kind of anti-marketed towards men. Like, yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, it's like, oh, you do crafts? Like, <laughs> <laughs> and it's also something that is not really as respected as other forms of art. Yeah. It's like, there's a lot of feminists talking about how like certain crafts that even just calling it a craft you know what I mean it's yeah. like it's not a fine art it's a craft right? right um and I think yarn is really associated with that so I was kind of playing maybe with that sort of associations and also someone pointed this out uh once I screened it and I I was like oh I never thought about that but also like red yarn like um especially when all the yarns like everywhere 
uh, you know, like a policeman, like the the board, and then they got the red oh, yarn. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh yeah, and I just I feel like it just. Or makes even how, sense. or even in the in like the crime scene sets, yeah. they have yarn connecting. Exactly. Where their origins are. Or whatever. Yeah, exactly. So it just <laughs> it felt like this this I don't know I I still don't know exactly why it works, but I really like the material, and mm -hmm. I feel like, um, yeah, it just this very like seemingly like when you touch it it's like soft and nice and like oh it makes art and like all this niceness but then there's also this like kind of really contrast like associated with yeah like these like crimeness or like uh the red itself like it's just mm. this very like intense color and everything and mm -hmm. the way it's used in the film is used to like it's not literally tying her down when you look at her in the bed it's like oh you could easily get up like you know <laughs> you're not like it's like it's it's like a spider web like you just yeah. push it away and you get up but it's more that it's just it's like the weight of it yeah you yeah, know yeah. what i mean yeah um so it's, it's more psychological mm -hmm, exactly yeah. so i i really again it's that it's kind of like what we were talking about with the music like that contrast i i i really liked that it kind of was seemingly nice but could really have this kind of dark side to it yeah sure yeah i don't know i could ramble on forever <laughs> I, I, I think that might be a good good place to wrap things up Sounds for good. um watching us yeah yeah sorry I, uh, just because of the the password i, I kind of had the which name doubled you, up in my head well but. which if you were to pick a title which would you pick um yeah i think i think watching us is is probably it's superior shorter, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah see watching us was someone else's idea my idea was the art of being watched <laughs> everyone nice. was like that's a bad idea page. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, thanks for um, thanks for joining me to talk about that, and um, best of luck to you in uh, getting through graduation and kind of figuring <laughs> out what your next steps are. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. And uh, I guess we'll be back next time to talk about um, manufactured landscapes. Mm -hmm. All right. Oh, um, any any like social media things or websites or anything that you can plug? Um, I guess the place to find me right now, um, I'm still working on getting myself ready for the real world, <laughs> as the film people say, but, mm -hmm. uh, the best place to find me right now is on Twitter and it would just be, uh, my username is Paige Mary Smith. So Paige and then M-A-R-Y Smith. Okay, perfect. Mm -hmm. Um, and you can find our website at filmedincanada.net. Uh, you can email us at filmsincanada at gmail.com and uh, I'm on Twitter and Letterboxd at Married to a Fly. <laughs> that, um, that about sums it up and we'll catch you next time. Mm -hmm.